You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday here on the Steve Day Show, powered by CRTV. Podcast edition here on Westwood One. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We would love it if you would join us. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And we just wrapped up production for today's CRTV show. Todd, let's give the audience a little preview of what's coming up today on CRTV. I learned a couple things. Uh, on Fake News or Not, you took on a rant by uh, former NFL great uh, Chris Carter uh, with your own rant. And uh, Chris Carter's uh, nonsense made me believe even more in what I said yesterday, that the NFL season may be the default um, political uh, uh season uh, leading up to um, uh, the election of 2018, and it might just end up uh, allowing for quite a victory uh, for uh, the Republicans. And I also learned that this is the first time it's happened. Uh, when Aaron asked me about Star Wars, I almost like, my shoulder slumped a little bit. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I've, I'm that broken, man. So I learned a couple of things. Aaron. Yes. Uh, today's conversation on pardoning and the power to pardon that we had on the CR Roundtable with John Miller is a conversation that has not really been had. It's, it's not really happening, and it needs to happen, and we get into the details why. And I think you'll, um, I think you'll be surprised uh, at the urgency of this conversation, and you'll need to watch the show to find out. Well, if you want to watch today's show, you know what? If you use my name as a promo code, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, it'll cost you just a quarter a day to become a subscriber to CRTV, where you'll not just get our show, but shows that are actually good, like the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and more. CRTV.com, promo code DACE is how you can subscribe today. Again, use my name as that promo code and get a discounted subscription just a quarter a day to CRTV.com. All right, it is Thursday. This is our Theology Thursday podcast. And I have a topic I want us to discuss. Is there a such thing as the Christian left? Now, I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up today is our forthcoming co-worker here at CRTV. His show was just announced earlier this week. Eric Erickson, original founder of Red State, original co-founder, I should say, of Red State. If you give him sole credit, he'll correct you because it wasn't just him. But the original co-founder of Red State is coming to CRTV with a show really aimed at families, how to essentially protect your family from a declining and decadent culture. And I, I saw him tweet out yesterday that he's very disappointed to see the Christian left silent uh, in response to the Jack Phillips case, silent that they're not applauding the defense of religious liberty, etc. 
To which I responded to Eric, that's because there's no such thing as the Christian left. Which, of course, touched off a lot of replies, some dumb, some interesting. And I got to thinking today, I think this bears a broader conversation. Because, see, I don't think there's any such thing as the Christian right either. Do you know where the name Christian right comes from? When Paul Weyrich, the founder of Heritage Foundation, and, and really one of the founding fathers of the modern conservative movement in the Reagan Revolution, when the Catholic Paul Weyrich got together with the Protestant Jerry Falwell Sr. and D. James Kennedy and James Dobson, and you know these were the guys that were essentially the, the, the paragons of, of Christian what we know now today as Christian conservatism, when they got together... They didn't call themselves the Christian right. They called themselves the moral majority. See, their branding was, we want to ensure, bring back, and conserve transcendent moral standards that have served this country well that come from the word of God. They were labeled the Christian right or the religious right originally. They were labeled that by their detractors in the media and the Democratic Party, but I repeat myself. This is not what they called themselves. They called themselves the moral majority. To this day, when their successors, the people who picked up their mantle, often not nearly as successfully as those original forerunners were. Um, but when, when Tony Perkins has his annual um, meeting in D.C. with the Family Research Council, what is it called? The Values Voter Summit. It's not called the Christian Rights Summit. It's not called the Religious Rights Summit. Because if Tony were here today, and frankly I would tell this to his face, and I have in the past, he's not really all that successful at politically at fighting for the values he says that he's for. But the one thing he's gotten right is that the branding is we're fighting for, instead of the word morality now, we are using the word values, transcendent values that made helped to, that played a huge role in making America the exceptional nation she became. And we want to hold on to those. We want to reintroduce those. We want to conserve those, pass them on to future generations. Let me stop right there for a second before I go on. And you guys tell me what you think about the direction of this conversation. Aaron, let's start with you. We are getting down to the heart and soul of Christians being in the world, but not being of the world. At least I think that's where this conversation is going. Where our identity is and what our identity is first and foremost primarily i think that's where i think that's where this conversation is going i'm honestly not sure where you're going uh yet um i think you could go in any uh number of uh directions one thought that crosses my mind is that 
you talk the difference between Christian right uh, or Christian left might be ultimately you know that there is no difference because they're they're unicorns to 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 some extent. Um, but the the fact that we factionalize like that is not something that we can simply put on the political spectrum as. Uh, uh, because right here in this room, there's a Catholic sitting to two Protestants, and uh, w- over hundreds of thousands of years, we've factionalized as well. So um, I'm I'm honestly fascinated. I, normally, I can see one of several options being likely. I'm not entirely sure where you're going. See, I think what you just said is exactly how to get to the conversation he thinks we're going to have. You mentioned you mentioned. You're the Catholic sitting here in between two Protestants. Why? Why do you think that is? With us uniquely or with it historically? Um, I don't know. (laughs) See, I told you I have no idea where this is going. Let me me put a finer point on it, okay? Why do you think... You are able to sit here and do this, holding on to what you think yes. is distinctively true about certain aspects of the Christian faith, but yet we are not at war with one another over the differences of that in, in some of that distinctiveness. Well, at the same time, we're not pulling any punches about our differences about those distinctiveness, about that distinctiveness in the first place. See what I'm saying? Yes. Why do you think we can pull that off? Well, C.S. Lewis talked about this is a victory for mere Christianity. It is the fact that we keep first things, first things, Mm -hmm. and we try very, very hard to kill the idols in our midst. And those who don't, ultimately have a god who isn't the real god and that's where the factions and the inability to coexist not the bumper sticker coexist a real healthy uh coexisting like that was attempted in the founding of uh uh this gracian this great nation uh that's when that's possible good answer what do you think of his answer aaron i think that's yeah I think that's that's totally um, plausible. I think that's uh, thoughtful. Um, I mean, the, the the whole conversation about I think I think I know where you're going, so I don't want to step on anything yep. at the at the moment. But the whole conversation about the Christian this or the this Christian is one. You know, I, I'm a blank Christian, or you know, I'm a Christian blank. It's one that's not had enough, and we just take for granted labeling things that maybe don't exist. We don't shy away from our theological differences with one another or the audience on the show. We've even been discussing, we did a whole podcast on it last week, the dreaded eschatology question that, you know, is the bane of my theological existence only because it makes people crazy, okay? Not because I don't find the subject fascinating. I think it's really fascinating. I've read tons of books on it. Watched tons of shows on it. I think it's one of the most important conversations on planet Earth. I just don't think we're sadly capable of having it most of the time. All right? But we just went through the 500th anniversary of the Reformation on our show. We had numerous shows and podcasts and interviews about that. Were you ever told, Todd, not to highlight 
differences or areas of disagreement that you had or to water them down? Oh, not not within this room. Absolutely not. In fact, ever. In the, fact the you opposite. probably were told the opposite. Let's, let's have the conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. And our, our, honestly, our friendship over these many years has deepened because we have these conversations. Or in, after each and every one, we trust each other more because we're coming to it authentically. So because there's a pre-existing relationship, because there's a pre-existing relationship, this opens the door to have even a more brutally honest conversation is what you're saying. Yeah. Because the existence of the relationship creates a certain amount of trust that doesn't cover our disagreements, but it covers the suspicious nature that might that we might attach to one another's disagreements. Right. They both feed each other for good or for ill in our case good yes see the steps that were taken here first there was a relationship and then we could have a really honest conversation and nobody's pulling any punches we don't really get into your labels one way or the other um, you ask me a conversation or a question on theology or any of the three of us we'll give you our answer and what's fun, what's been interesting is if you've watched this over time evolve, you've seen Todd, who identifies as Catholic, remind me of total depravity on numerous occasions. You hear me talk about my admiration for Augustine, who it could be argued is the most influential figure in the history of Catholicism other than Peter himself. Certainly could be argued he's the most influential figure post-Paul in the first millennia of the Christian faith, period. Where, what, what's the name of your parish, by the way? Uh, that would be St. Augustine. St. Augustine's, yeah. And my home parish, St. Thomas Aquinas. So two greats. My home parish, where I grew up, excuse me. So we can have a conversation because the first goal, because A, this is the key, this is the step that's missing. Okay, A relationship has been established. A relationship's been established. The reason why we started off sort of generically talking about theological matters when we first started this show. And then we got it. We might we, we would generically talk about we need revival or if it specifically came up in the context of a political issue, we would put that into the conversation. But it would rarely be a standalone subject by itself. Not at first. And then as time went on, we did those Facebook Lives, right? Yes. What were those, 15 minutes, right, Aaron? Yep, so we couldn't get ourselves into too yep. much trouble. Yeah, because and, and we literally put that, it was on the clock, and that's all that we did. We did that once a week. And then it became an entire podcast that could be 30 to, minutes to an hour. So twice to four times the amount of time of the Facebook Live that we did. And now we're covering um, topics... That previously we were like, I don't think we were kind of ready to have this conversation. And we still, you know, Aaron suggested a topic today that I think is a great topic. But I also don't think we're kind of, we're ready yet to have that conversation. I don't think the relationship's there yet where we can have it. Okay? Not with one another, but with our audience. 
because I think I think we need to develop more trust with our audience before we go there because we know we're not flaming them by pointing this out but if the trust level is not there when we bring things up that are contrary to our conventional wisdoms if the trust level is not there the relationship's not there when someone brings something when someone that you don't have that level of trust with brings something that's a clear assault on your conventional wisdoms what's your initial reaction to it anathema suspicion you're trying to make me like you walls go up and we can't come down and reason together and so what you've seen is as time as he as 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 has gone on this conversation on our show has evolved with it because we can also tell the level of crazy it's always going to be there and sometimes by the way the crazy people are right let's not forget that okay jesus looked at a crazy dude and said blessed are you among men born among men who were born to women okay let's not immediately dismiss all the crazy people that doesn't necessarily mean we need to start eating locusts. No, but and by the way, we are we are rapidly getting to the point in time we're going to be the crazy people by even having these conversations in any measured tone whatsoever. Oh, right? we're there. Yeah, you just asked that guy at CrossFit yesterday who got, got fired. Okay, <laughs> so crazy's not always bad. It's not always wrong, but I can tell that the level of disagreement has gone up in my inbox in its level of maturity at the same time. And so that tells me anecdotal evidence, we can go further. We can push it more. We can be more direct in some areas. We can, we can go to this place now. Why can we do that? If we started off, if I started off our first round of direct theological engagement with our audience a year or two ago, with my skepticisms about premillennial eschatology, folks would have lost their freaking minds. Because it is the fourth rail of American evangelicalism. It sells more books, more, more, more speakers than any other topic. you disagree with me on that, Aaron? Yeah. No, no, I don't. Di- Makes I don't more di- bad movies? Oh, yeah. yeah. Kirk Cameron. Uh, yeah, Kirk Cameron agrees. Yeah, well, the first, actually, the first Left Behind movie they did was pretty good. It, got, it went downhill kind of after that. The first one, though, is not bad. I meant Nick Cage. I'm oh, sorry. Nick, uh, that, yeah, I'm I can't even bring myself to watch the Nick yeah. Cage one. Couldn't even bring myself to watch that. But we can have conversations now. You know, I look at the Pope. First couple of years when he's face planning, I'm be, I'm like, let's wait. Yet a bunch of lapsed Catholics in the media. They want him to be saying these things. Let's not create a straw man, Protestants, and just ju- right? Didn't you how many times did I say that? You did. Did I start at the point with him that I'm at right now? No. No. And there's two reasons why. One, I didn't know him well enough to, to just to make immediate assumptions. You know that whole love your neighbor as you love yourself thing? I, I, I wouldn't want someone to just immediately jump to those conclusions about me. So I owed it to him to not do it with him. The other reason is, you know, anywhere from 40 to percent to half our audience can be Catholic at times. And so if, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna if I'm gonna step on that down power line, I better have some built in cachet before you think I'm turning you into a straw man argument, and that's not my intent. The relationship hadn't been established on a couple of different fronts. Now I think there's ample evidence that at the very least this is a very double minded man, if that's the best case scenario, now that we're four years into misstatements. 
This is a very double-minded man. And But B, I think we've shown, even at times to, I'm now getting criticism from some Protestants, a willingness to be fair to the Catholic argument, even if I don't necessarily agree with key, point, key points to it. Would you agree with that? You're actually I, well. You've never told me you're getting criticism from Protestants. Oh, I've, yeah, I've shared. We just read it. Oh, you weren't here last. No, you were here on Feedback Friday, yeah. weren't you? When I, no, you were gone. Not, yeah, oh, I, not for feedback. Yeah, I wasn't here for feedback. Yeah, I read a note from the, the guy who I get several from Protestants who think I don't go far enough. Actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay, but, that's what I'm referring to. Okay, that yeah. that part I I, th- I thought you were getting criticism. For, you need to cut. I was actually very proud when a few months ago I got a couple of Catholic emails telling me because I'm outside the church I'm not saved. I was wondering. Oh. <laughs> I was beginning to wonder what I was going to have to say to receive some of those, yeah. but I did. I think I even forwarded you one of them. I was very proud to get a couple finally. Okay. And the reason why I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, though, is because it shows I'm trying to strike a balance. I'm not balanced in what my convictions are. That's not the point. I'm not changing my convictions unless you can show me the evidence they're wrong. What I mean by balanced is that I want to have a relationship with you. And I want you to have a relationship with us. Real hard to establish relationships with people if they think they're a prop to you going in, right? This is exactly, and not a person. Yeah, this is exactly what I was talking about a couple of days ago when you talked about uh, was it a, the podcast about are you the are you really sure conversation? And I said you you you've got to try to have relationships with the people who are constantly calling you names to the extent that you can. It's it, it's vital. There's no there's quite frankly there's just no other way. Yes. And so what does any of this have to do with, is there a such thing as the Christian left? Or is there a such thing as the Christian right? There's only one Lord, one baptism, one faith. In Christ, there is neither slave nor free, neither Jew nor Gentile, or male or female, not in the way that the rainbow jihad means it, mean, meaning that our identities are found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the Jesus Christ who looks at us and says, why do you call me Lord when you do not do what I say? Now, none of us is going to perfectly do what he says. If we were capable of such, we would need him to be our Lord. We would need him to be our Savior. We'd do this on our own. We'd follow the law on our own. But we can't. We can't follow the law on our own. Even with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, God's word said, He who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Are you completed, though, the day you... The the day God's spirit comes to live inside of you, are you completed that very day? In one respect, you're completed from uh, from, uh, the debt. The debt that you owed God is completed, is finished for your sins. But are you sanctified? Meaning, is the transformation that, that has begun in your life, does it start and end on the same day? And this is why you're going to see, at times, great men and women of God fail. The test, the test, 
the character of their testimony is not determined by whether or not they fail. It is determined by whether or by how they handle the failure. Let me repeat that. The character of their testimony is not determined by whether or not they fail. It is determined by whether or by, by the way they handle the failure. Are they humble? Are they honest? Are they remorseful? Are they repentant? Are they willing to make restitution? Are they willing to accept accountability? Or do they dissemble? Do they deflect? Do they make excuses? Do they do whataboutism, moral relativism? They say, yeah, but. Or um, uh, judge not lest ye be judged, totally out of context, Matthew 7. That's where the character of the testimony is found. Billy Graham did not create a rule in his life that he would not be alone with a woman who wasn't his wife because he was more pious than you. He did it because he recognized he was not. Give it the exact opposite. Billy Graham created that rule because he realized this is a thorn in my flesh. This, this is something that can take me down. And so therefore, the only way to assure my ministry from my weakness was to put this infrastructure in place. The Billy Graham rule is not a sign he's holier than you. It's a sign he's just like you and me. In the end, he's a guy named Billy from North Carolina, guys. That's all. I'm just a guy named Steve from Des Moines. That's it. And you're who you, whoever you're, wherever you're from. Same thing with Mike Pence. Mike Pence doesn't put that rule in his house because he thinks he's better than you. It's a recognition that he's not. I mean, the reason why I don't put barriers in my life against animal cruelty, that's not a real temptation for me. You know, I have had to practice the Billy Graham rule. Women are a temptation to me. That is my recognition that that is true. And so when you have a group of people who time and time again are nowhere to be found when existentially clear matters of the Christian faith are at stake. There's only two options. A, they're not Christians. B, they are converted but living in open rebellion to God. And that's when we get into the once saved, only saved debate. What's the, what's the process for being backslidden if you're a Baptist or purgatory if you're Catholic? That's where that debate comes in. But there's only those two options. Now, we all have our blind spots. 
We all have our blind spots. We all may look at a situation and say, A, I don't want to address that because it's been a weakness in my own life, right? That's that's one response we could have. Or B, we can really enjoy what the writer of Hebrews calls the sin that so easily ensnares us, that the blind spot we really like if we're honest with each other. And we're like, I'm just going to keep that as a part of my life. While everywhere else you can see, I'm growing in my faith. And if it sounds like I know a lot about this, it's because I've done this with numerous shibboleths throughout my life as a Christian. So I, I know about what I'm talking about. I've done this. I'm probably doing it right now. I may not even recognize it. <laughs> That's why we call it a blind spot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about systemically. Systemically, not a blind spot or two, but holistically. When was the last time the Christian faith was threatened in this culture that Jim Wallace was there to defend believers? Name one time. You can't. Name one time Rachel Held Evans was there to defend believers. You can't. Name one time Tony Campolo or Ron Sider were there. You can't. Those are the biggest names basically right now in America on the quote-unquote Christian left. Name the last time Rob Bell was there. He had your back. You can't. And we all have our blind spots. There were plenty of people that didn't want to speak up about Kim Davis. They weren't comfortable with what she was doing. They were kind of thinking, she's a government employee. I don't agree with the decision, but she, you know, she should do with the government. Right? You can be morally confused. You can be, you can be morally weak in a particular area. I'm not talking about, hey, you disappointed me on this one spot, so I write you off forever. You know, I kind of think when God sends his son to die for you while you're his enemy. <laughs> We ought to have a pretty high threshold before we write people off. You know what I'm saying? We love because he first loved us. So we need to have a pretty, before we get to the, um, we throw you out of the assembly, which we eventually do get to. But we don't just, we don't start there. There's steps before we get there. We have to have a pretty high threshold before we just disown people. Because we serve a Lord who left 99 behind to find the one lost sheep. We emulate that. But the people I just named are never there when you're threatened. Any On any level. They're never there. And the only time we hear them talk about the name of Jesus is to defend some form of, of Marxist economic theory or progressive ideology. Well, Jesus said, by their fruit, you know them. So I, I didn't come up with that standard. He did. If the only time you hear about Jesus from the names I just mentioned is when they, they turn him into a Che Guevara who speaks Hebrew and Aramaic with Bernie Sanders' platform, then the fruit is what it is. I didn't, I didn't put the fruit on the tree. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Bam. That's it. The fruit is what it is. Which leaves us with two options. These people aren't Christians. Because systemically, when the culture gives them opportunity to stand in the gap, they utterly refuse. 
Often, in fact, they'll oppose us who do stand in the gap. Or they are people who have had a sincere conversion and just have never been truly discipled to the point now that their thought process is in open rebellion to the word of God. And then we can get into our historical, traditional, ecclesiastical, denominational differences about what the disciplinary remedy for that is, right? There's lots of different answers to that question, potentially. Before I talk about the Christian right, let me stop there on the Christian left. Aaron, your thoughts. Um, Again, the, the premise of there being a Christian left is faulty. Again, I don't want to step on where I think you're going, but the, the premise of there being a Christian anything, a Christian hyphen anything, or an anything hyphen Christian is a faulty premise. Agreed. Because when we come to Christ, we put off the old self, all of the other associations, all of the other labels that we give ourselves, and we become something new. Todd? Well, and I just... just I can hear people reacting reacting without a specific example that what is how how can you be a Christian if you're in uh open rebellion and when you hit on the way you just said it uh, you know an authentic conversion experience uh a liberal along those lines uh that her name is escaping me you'll have to she used to be uh one of the default liberal pundits on Fox News now she's gone over to CNN, mm-hmm. uh, blonde. Uh, she she became Catholic, and since she's become Kirsten Powers, you're Kirsten Powers, about. thank yep. you. She is uh, become a great pro life advocate. Yep, but she is also very much for gay marriage. Uh, but there, I, I just be, there, there's a level of authenticity to our conversion that I've followed over time because, as I'm sure you guys do uh, on your side of the fence, you know, I, I want to make sure mm-hmm. who needs to be called out. Yep. Uh, and there, there is a level of consistent authenticity there while, again, having a gigantic blind spot. I'm glad you mentioned her because I know a little bit about her career. Not much, but a little. Because her and I actually are tied together in one small way. In 2013, I wrote the second most read column of the year at USA Today. And it was published in December in response to GLAD, the Rainbow Jihad group, coming after Phil Robertson and Duck Dynasty for essentially repeating the birds and the bees. You guys remember that? Yes. And you know, I found out it was the second most read column of the year. Because they, I, I saw the traffic this was generating. It's still the most read thing I've ever written in my career. So I'm like, they told me, and they, my editor at USA Today told me this is the second most read column we've had all year. I'm like, wow. Which, of course, you know me, I'm a competitor. So that's going to beg what question? Who's first? Who's number one? I'm a guy, right? That's what, the, that's what pastors really mean when they say, hey, how's your church going? That's really what they mean. How many people you got? Because we're dudes, okay? Constantly measuring. Number one column that year at USA Today. And I'd like to say, well, I could have caught up with her, except mine was written in December and hers was written in April. Uh, No, it was way ahead of mine. 
Her column was way dash space bar to space bar to space bar. Then I was number two. Okay, number three was much closer to me than I was closer to her at number one. The number one column of of the year at USA Today was a piece Kirsten Powers wrote in late April, destroying the liberal media for ignoring the Kermit Gosnell story. Right. I mean, and she eviscerated. Yes, she did. Left. I mean, took all the flesh off the bone and then fed it to him in this column for ignoring this. I don't believe you can fake that level of conviction. No. I, I Just trust me, as a guy who has to produce masses of content regularly, you can, you can come close, you can maybe fake the principle. You can't fake that level of conviction. She's outraged. And she's burning political capital amongst some of her own peers by pointing it out. Yes. That's what you're alluding to. Yes. So then how do we reconcile this massive blind spot she has over here? Let me put it in a more personal context. Some of you may be offended at the language I use sometimes. I know I hear about it. Some of you may be offended at the entertainment options I consume sometimes. I hear about that too. And when those issues come up, what do you say about me? I listen because of this area. I hear the conviction. You can't fake that. But it just blows my mind that he then turns right around and then does blank this is why we're commanded to work out our salvation in fear and trembling yes this is why we're not finished products the day god sends us his spirit to live inside of us that's not the end of the journey it's the start it's not the culmination it's the consummation similar to a a wedding night the union of a man and a woman the physical union the joining together is not the cul- we don't call that the culmination. What do we call that? Consummation. There's a lot of years and a lot of hard work and a lot of stress left to come. Same thing is true when Christ is united with his bride, the church, when he comes to live in us. That's not the culmination. It's a consummation. It's the beginning of the relationship. It's the union of him and us, like a husband and a wife. And if you've been married, as much as you love that person, there are ups and there are downs. Real high ups, real low lows, or steady lows and steady highs. External pressures upon your relationship. A temptress or tempter at the audience, at the office. Kids are acting out. Just like there's external pressures on us with our relationship with God. And if I wanted to give Kirsten Powers the max benefit of the doubt, let's just keep it real here. We actually haven't done a really good job as a church body in America of truly modeling truth and grace to the homosexual community. We, we tend to go back and forth between um, condemnation or licentious, uh, licentious uh, approval. We really struggle finding this truth and grace thing in the middle where I'm not changing what I believe for you. And and when the opening is there, I'm going to remind you that this is not what God has planned for your life. But short of you asking me to do something which violates my conscience, I'm going to love you and treat you like I would any other human being. tell Tell me that we've done that really well the last 20 years as the church in America. Broadly, no. No. So while it's really easy to sit back and say to Kirsten Powers, why are you selling out over here? Well, guys, that doesn't absolve her from her blind spot. We're not doing that, right? Right. But 
you know, Jesus looks at the adulterous woman and says, you know, uh, who's left here to condemn you? Now, she's still guilty of her sin? Yes. Yeah. But the point being is, it, there's not like, give me 10 people right now you could point to and say to Kirsten Powers, you should do what they do over there. Could you do that right now? No, you couldn't. We've been terrible with this issue. We've fallen into every political trap of this issue. And it's why we've lost the next generation. We've lost Aaron's generation to it. The reason the Southern Baptist Convention is flirting with social justice warriorism is because the next generation of of pastors over there don't want to be political hacks for the Republican Party. They don't want to be Jerry Falwell Jr. They don't want to be clown shows. Now, let's stop with that part of the equation. Do we all agree with that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But what's their antidote? Let's join the other clown show. We don't like we don't like the bozo nose. So let's 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 put on the the other clown nose. The other pick another famous clown. We don't like the golden calf over there at Liberty University. So let's do the golden chipmunk over here. That's what we do. That's probably what Kirsten Powers is doing. Doesn't like doesn't like the fact that there is a there is a portion of evangelicalism that has sort of made it look like same-sex attraction is like the or Catholicism or, or let's just say Orthodox Christianity. How's that? There is certainly a segment of Orthodox Christianity that has communicated the message. Homosexuality is like the sin you can't be delivered from. And so what's in our human nature then? Well, I don't want to be like one of those people, right? Sure. So what do we tend to do? Do we tend to find the medium? No. What do we do? We go to the other extreme. We do this. We all do this. We all do this all the time. This is why I love the book of Romans so much. There's like a rhythm to Romans. And man, there are times that Paul, Romans 1 starting in verse, what is it? Uh, um, the right, the wrath of God has been revealed upon mankind. Which I can't remember what verse that starts with in Romans one. But from that time forward, dude, I got a tub of corn. I'm like, hey, re-rack that. I want to hear that again. Paul just freaking eviscerates the pagans, destroys them, annihilates them. This happens several other times. In Romans too. But then you like turn to the next chapter. It's almost like the Holy Spirit working through Paul can sense, all right, man, our side's way too haughty right now, way too self-righteous right now. Time to remind them the word of God's a double-edged sword and he cuts you to the quick. So too, we're one of you. Yeah. What is it? Is it is the, is the second half of Romans 12... The first half, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is it the second half that is about hospitality, serving people? These seem kind of paradoxical because some of it, most of us are wired one of two ways, very intellectually or very relationally. And so those of us that are wired very relationally struggle with those of us that wired with very intellectually to think you guys are too harsh, too condemning. And that works the other way too. You guys are too soft. Too complacent. It's not, as, as believers, we often put an and also where there should be an either or. And we often put an either or where there should be an and also. Preach. 
We cannot impose our biases and our traditions and our conventional wisdoms and our shibboleths upon Christ. We have to let him impose his will upon us. And that's going to move us out of our comfort zones. That means we're going to have unlikely allies at times. That means I'm going to get emails every week from people, evangelicals, telling me, Todd is the most Protestant-sounding Catholic I've ever heard. What Todd is, is a sincere believer who loves the Word of God, who takes seriously work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and has come to the conclusion that Catholic Church is the vehicle for him to do that. I don't agree with that. And if I did, Todd, what would I be? Catholic. Catholic. Do I agree with you, though, that um, I, I, we need to work out our salvation in fear and trembling? Yes. Love the Word of God. Want to see it transform the life of my, myself, my family, and others. Do I agree with you on that? Yeah. And so much so that when, to, kind of to my surprise, when you, I had already been working for you a while, but when you offered me said, I'd like you to not to be a regular on the show. You actually said helping you do that with your audience was because I was Catholic. Yeah, I think you explicitly said. Yes. And here's why. Because you know why people think you're the most Protestant sounding Catholic? And you know why there's a portion of our audience that tells me that? Because we're not talking about Catholicism or Wesleyanism or Calvinism. Talking about the Word of God. Now, I want to make this patently clear. That doesn't mean where there's areas of sincere disagreement, fundamental differences, we should not hash those out. Absolutely, we should. We have. And we have. Air. Have. We have. But see, my goal is not to convert Todd to evangelicalism. I don't know whether or not your goal is to convert me to Catholicism. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> My, but my goal is to promote the word of God, period. That's it. When I got hired here, and when I got hired at Salem, and they asked me, what's your career goal? You know what I told them? I said, I, I want to I use, I want God to use the talent he gave me to do for a biblical worldview what Rush Limbaugh did for conservatism. That's what I told them. You've heard me say that before. Yeah. I want, I want to make a biblical, I told them this, I want to make a biblical worldview mainstream in America again. Because see, I think it's bigger than our differences, our divisions. I think it's bigger than all of that. See, I think Catholics and Protestants went out into those fields of Europe and killed each other for centuries, not because they loved the word of God, because they really didn't. They loved their spin on it. That doesn't mean I don't have fundamental differences with the Catholic Church. I do. And if I didn't, again, what would I be taught? Catholic. Catholic. But the question for me is, what's bigger, my fundamental differences with the Catholic Church or my Savior? What's bigger? Jesus didn't die for a systematic theology. He died for people. Jesus didn't die for a nation or a way of life or an exceptional people. He died for sinners in the hands of an angry God. And I think we 
absolutely fight to conserve the Judeo-Christian influence our faith had on, on creating this exceptional nation to the point that it's, it costs us too much of a relationship with the culture. Meaning, we are driving people away. Because our view on healthcare has matter. We've shown them our view on healthcare matters more to them than their soul care. I'm not saying don't fight. I'm just saying we have to know what are the lines. You know, we talked about that. You guys teased the pardon conversation we had about Trump today. What was the culmination of the conversation? Where's the boundary? We need a place where we can say this is where Trump should not go, right? We talked about Rod Blagojevich, yeah. the corrupt Democrat. He should never go there. We need boundaries too. We fight to conserve our heritage as Americans, but not at the expense of our Christian faith. Whether that's the Christian right or the Christian left. Because there's no such thing as either one. And the minute you sign up for one of those, you're exactly what you claim to hate. You know why Rachel held Evans and Jim Wallace hate Jerry Falwell Jr. so much? Because they're staring at their own reflection. That's why. Amen. Step one, build a relationship. We don't have a great relationship with our culture right now. And that doesn't mean forsaking our doctrine. It means showing our doctrine, living it, proving it to people. Otherwise, it's a blog. It's a blog. It's not a transformational relationship. I knew all kinds of Bible knowledge before I got saved. Jesus didn't save me that night at that Promise Keepers event in Kansas City because I had memorized enough Bible verses. No. He saved me because I listened to Joe White testify to God's desire to be the father I never had, to fill that void in my heart that led me down several destructive paths, some of which I still haven't gotten off of after 15 years of the faith in my life. But the relationship that Joe White, that God showed me through Joe White, broke me, broke my heart, broke down those walls, broke me, and left me sobbing on a concrete floor at Kemper Arena that afternoon. That's why I became a Christian. Final thoughts, Aaron and Todd. Floor is yours. This is the essence and really the first step of a faith journey, but it's easy when we're trying to figure out how we live and how we relate to culture and how we relate to you know those around us. It's so easy to forget this because we we whether it's out of ease or whether it's for our own, I don't know, um, mental well-being somehow, it's, it's convenient to place labels and just 
to to, to categorical uh, to, to to categorically um, place people in boxes or place things that are different from us but yet share some similarities in some ways. It's it's easy to just put them in boxes, and that's where we come up with. Um, I am a black Christian. I'm a Southern Baptist. I'm a Presbyterian. Christian. I am a fill in the blank hyphen Christian. I am a Christian hyphen um, fill in the blank. No. Anytime we put anything whether it's a race, whether it's a particular denomination, whether it's a particular doctrine, although that's more serious. When we start, even I see this all the time with Calvinism. It's like you start to identify with Calvinism more than you do with Christ. Even yes. though you might, you might come out, what comes out of Calvinism may help people. and God may use this term that we've come up with, Calvinism, as a way to reach more people and to spur them to deeper growth and knowledge of God. But as soon as we start identifying with that, first and foremost, before we start identifying with the person and work of Jesus Christ, what God did for us through him, we have really lost any argument and we have forgotten the point of our salvation which is knowing god we are saved from eternal damnation yes but through jesus christ god gives us a way to be one with him to know him again and when we forget about that and instead start focusing on anything else we have we we're, we're doing it wrong and it's easy to do i do that all the time we do probably do that every day to some degree or another there are times in your life where you're not quite as close maybe you're going through a dry spell there are times when you just um you know whether it's placing a label or you know labeling yourself with something or whether it's just not you, you're not connecting or not putting in the effort to grow in your faith. There are times that I forget that as well. But as long as at the end of the day, we keep coming back again. True humility is um, a right view of yourself in light of what God has done through you, through Jesus Christ. As long as we keep humbling ourselves, as a rule, we can at least stay on that path. This is paradoxically why I believe when I, uh, it, when I say the excommunication should continue uh, until morale improves. Because when you're trying to be all things to all people, you can't be the thing to all people. Well you said. can't have honest conversations. That'll preach. This is why Penn Jillette, uh, an atheist, uh, when uh, after a show, a guy who admired his work, his the entertainment that you talked about before, came up to him. I love you, Penn Jillette. Uh, I, I, and that's why I feel called to do this. I, 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 I don't want to. I mean, if you have any questions, I have to answer them. But I just want to give you this Bible and say thank you for the entertainment you provide. And, 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 he, and Penn Jillette said, I, I wasn't being oppressed. He said, thank you. And, and Penn Gillette, an atheist, said, what kind of person would believe that this is the saving power for humanity and the cosmos, and he wouldn't offer it to me? I get that. I don't agree with it, but I get that. You read a letter maybe more than a year ago from an atheist who was like saying, Christians, why, why are you watering this thing? 
sitting down. You're no fun anymore. You know, it was. I liked the give and take uh, that we used to have with Orthodox Christians. He said, "This is this isn't even worth having any anymore." Uh, everything Steve is talking about about genuine relationship can only happen through authenticity, and that's one of the biggest problems we we have. We have uh, frauds on both sides. And uh, and it, it, this is nothing new under the sun. We've been this is uh, right out of the gate. We started having this problem uh, within Christendom, but uh, we need to clean up all of our houses and stop the ridiculous vanilla, so you can have real conversations that, if I may, look something like the one that has lasted now for what twenty years between you and I, Steve. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's real. And we have these conversations. If people think when he starts talking about the hope, I'm, Pope, I'm just sitting here with my head in my hands. and No, no it, it doesn't look anything like that. Um, it, it is real. It is, it, it is the only way for real difference to coexist. We, we have all of this homogenization of faith right now, and we hate each other more than ever within these faith identifications and faith tribes. Uh, so Steve's conversation is not just uh, an important one. It, it perhaps may be the most important one we can possibly have on the road to what Aaron talks about all the time, and that is a need for revival. Well said, both of you. Well, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. If you've had uh, the chance to hit subscribe on your podcasting platform or write us a review, we greatly appreciate you. Thank you. If you've not done so, we would really appreciate it if you took some time today to do it. It really does help us to grow this show. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.